You're listening to Plug In to Health with Prevea Health, exploring healthcare topics that matter to you, the latest developments in health and medicine, and the inspiring stories that emerge from Prevea Health, our partners, and the communities we serve. Welcome, I'm your host, Angela Dea. Dr. Aaron E. Stevens is a gynecologic oncologist based in Green Bay, Wisconsin with Prevea Health. Upon meeting her, you'll realize she's very passionate about what she does, and she's good at it. This year, she made headlines across the country for helping a young woman beat the odds against a very rare form of uterine cancer and fulfill her dreams of becoming a mom. These days, Dr. Stevens is helping her patients fight cancer in the midst of a global health crisis. She, along with so many other healthcare providers across the world, are significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. In many ways, we may fail to realize. And that's what we're going to dig a little bit deeper into on this episode of Plug Into Health. Dr. Stevens, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Can you first of all explain a little bit about what it is you do as a gynecologic oncologist? Sure. Gynecologic oncologists, we are the specialist in women's cancer surgery and treatment for the below the belt cancers. So I don't treat breast cancer. We've got a lot of great specialists that do that. I treat the reproductive cancers, uterine cancer, cervical cancer, vaginal, vulvar, ovarian, and fallopian tube cancers. So here at Prevea Health, I'm often the first person that a patient will meet after the diagnosis or a suspicion of a gynecologic cancer. And my role involves leading the surgical team, planning their treatment, and doing the surveillance of all the gynecologic cancers over the course of the patient's life. What kind of impact has the COVID-19 pandemic had on your patients and others living with cancer? I think the COVID-19 pandemic has really changed the paradigm of the way we look at cancer, the way we look at medicine and health in general. Um, It's had a great deal of impact on our cancer patients. We've had to put limitations on our patients having visitors during their treatments. We've had to change the way we manage their cancer during the pandemic. And we've had to put off some surveillance visits at times, and that's when we have the opportunity to check to see if their cancers come back. And the pandemic added another fear of something else to be afraid of and afraid to get sick from, um, because we've seen it be much more fatal in our cancer patients than in the general public. Um, and the hardest part of all this, is it was completely necessary for us to do this, and the patients really understood that. We spent time in GYN Oncology making sure we called all of our surveillance patients instead of having them come in, both to make sure they didn't have any cancer symptoms that meant they needed to come in and see us, but also just a good mental check-in to see how they were handling being at home. And in the same vein, though, our cancer patients already know what it's like to have their world change on a dime. And so in some ways, cancer actually prepared them for moments like this, and we could actually learn a great deal from our patients in this moment. Mm, That is well said, well said. Can you talk a little bit about the way things have changed in the way that you care for patients with cancer during this time? Well, as a surgical GYN oncologist, when the elective surgeries were stopped by the Surgeon General in March across the country, We all had to come up with ways to manage cancer that may not involve surgery. And it's really hard to know if cancer surgery is elective because we've never thought of it that way before. I schedule my cancer cases, 
but we've always looked at cancer as something that's necessary, something that needs to be treated. Now, what we knew is that we can treat some of our cancers with medicine, um, my endometrial cancers. We can treat those with hormones, almost as successfully sometimes as surgery. Same thing with my ovarian cancer patients. They can start with chemotherapy, and we've actually studied that starting with chemotherapy gives the same outcomes as starting with a big surgery. So what was really important, though, in these moments is that we were managing them in a way that wasn't going to compromise their chance of a cure. And if we felt that we might be compromising that chance for the patient, that meant we needed to have a good discussion with them about the risks and benefits of going to the OR now versus waiting. And I had those conversations with my patients as we've gone, and now we're starting to open up the operating rooms again. And I think we've done this extremely thoughtfully. We have the ability to test patients to know whether or not they have the virus. We have all of our protective gear to be able to protect ourselves from the virus. And I think we're getting to the point where we put a pause for six, eight weeks, but now we're able to start resuming care and really giving the patients the best care that they need. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to help put some context to our conversation, so the recording date of this podcast is May 6th, uh, 2020. So thank you very much for for providing your insight on that, Dr. Stevens. Um, You see patients in one of the largest hospitals in Green Bay, Wisconsin, HSHS St. Vincent Hospital. So you not only continue to care for your patients amid the global health crisis, you have to take extra steps, right, to ensure their health and well-being as well as your own. I, I'm interested as just as a, as a healthcare provider in general, regardless of the specialty that you're in, paint a picture, if you will, of what a typical day looks like for you from start to finish, knowing that you are working in one of the busiest hospitals in the Green Bay region. Well, I think there's a lot of importance that comes from a daily routine. And as we've gone through this pandemic, I've tried to keep my routine as regular as possible. So while I may not be able to go to the gym in the morning, I can FaceTime with my personal trainer and I can do a workout in the morning. And I do my workouts. I do Pilates. I started meditating through uh, the pandemic. That was something I struggled with before this and have found that to be super important. I make sure that I have breakfast in the morning. All of those things sound silly, but the routine really helps. And I write a list of the things that I'm grateful for. Um, And then I get to the hospital. And before I come in, I get my mask. And when I get to the door, um, we have all of our screening questions to make sure that nobody's got a fever or a cough or a sore throat. And I have my temperature checked. And that helps me feel safe. It's very eerie, though, being in the hospital We're used to hospitals being bustling places with lots of people, lots of visitors, lots of chairs and places for people to hang out and to be together. Um, And now every day walking into the hospital, it's as if I'm walking in when I come in on Sunday morning to round. There really isn't anyone other than employees and patients. And I keep that in mind, too, because as I go about my day seeing patients in the office or seeing patients on the floor after surgery, These are patients that don't get a lot of social connection right now. And I think one of the hardest things as a cancer physician, but also as a person, is the the idea of not being able to touch other people, not being able to reach out, not being able to give that hug, not having your family in your room supporting you after surgery. Um, So I try, even though it's uncomfortable being in a mask, it's hot being in a mask, nobody likes being in a mask, 
benefit of me being a surgeon is I've spent 17 years of my life in a mask, so I'm really comfortable with it. But I try to spend a little extra time with my patients and, and give them that emotional support that they need. Um, there's a lot of hand washing, but there's always been a lot of hand washing throughout my day. Um, my patients used to joke with me in the office asking me how many times I washed my hand in an average visit, and it's about five. One when I'd come into the room, one after I'd shake their hand, one before I did my exam, one after I did my exam, and one on the way out the door. Um, so we're used to doing all of the hand washing in healthcare. But, you you know, there there was a lot of transition as we went through this of a little bit of paranoia of, am I getting infected? Am I bringing this home to my husband? So a lot of us in healthcare have developed our routines of getting home at the end of the day and stripping in our garage, um, not bringing things into the house, putting things directly into the laundry and washing and getting into the ho house and showering. Um, I always shower in the morning because that's what wakes me up. I now shower every time I come in from the hospital um, before I find my husband to give him a kiss and see what's what's for dinner that night. Um, I have told patients for a long time when they see me very happy on surgery days because I love operating. Operating is my second favorite thing to do in, in the world. My first favorite thing to do is to be cuddled on the couch with my husband at night. So... Um, I make time for that every night, um, and then I know we start the routine again the next day. My husband's been super supportive. Um, he is a college football official, so he spends his time right now preparing for the seasons at home. Um, but that means he also isn't, doesn't have a lot of contact, and he's been really good and supportive to recognize that he doesn't want to bring anything to me that might bring an, uh, COVID to my patients. And I don't want to give anything to him that he could expose friends or family. So he's been very good about staying home and staying safe through this whole um, pandemic as well. And I'm grateful for his support in that. Are you are you able to at the end of the day, you know, when you, you know, after you're, you're done in the garage and you walk through the door and you, you take that shower and you're ready to relax, are you able to to take the heaviness off of you from the day mentally? Um, I think at different times in this pandemic, it's been harder. Um, and with time, it's gotten a little easier. I think at the beginning, when we didn't know, and in medicine, we're actually, we're trained to be comfortable with the phrase, I don't know, from the time we're a med student. We might not know the answer to something. I've constantly told my trainee residents and med students that I'm not a smart person. I just know how to look stuff up. And so you might not know something, but you can look it up. Well, we had a virus here that we didn't know anything about, and we didn't have a place to look it up. And so there was a lot of fear that was hard to shut off at the beginning. And then I think as time went on and as we learned things from other places, from um, China and from Italy and then from New York, then it became easier to shut off a little bit more at the end of the day. But I don't know of any physicians if we're ever very good about shutting it off all the way. Well, you you just mentioned New York, and it's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons we asked you to join us for this episode, because you happen to have trained at a hospital in New York that has been particularly hit hard by COVID-19. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. I did my uh, gynecologic oncology fellowship at SUNY Downstate in Brooklyn, which is the State New University of New York at Brooklyn. It is right across the street from Kings County Hospital, which is one of the busiest, busiest trauma hospitals in New York City. Um, and 
SUNY Downstate was dubbed one of the COVID hospitals. It was only going to be taking COVID patients. And CNN did a story on it. New York Times has done stories on it. Um, and, you know, it was hard for me to envision the hospital because it's in one of the poorest areas of Brooklyn. And we know that those areas have been hit so much harder than others. And it was a very resource poor hospital. So I worried. I knew there were great doctors there, but I worried about supplies. I worried about staffing. I tried to imagine my colleagues, my fellowship program director and my colleagues that still worked there that had been taken from their specialties of OBGYN and GYN oncology and transitioned into ICU doctors and emergency doctors. And, you know, they talk of taking the maternity floor and turning that over and not doing deliveries there anymore, but making that a COVID wing as well. And seeing the videos um, on CNN when they did the stories was just hard to watch because you want to be able to help in those situations. You want it to be better. And you know, going in that, that it wasn't going to be as good as we want it to be. And I think that's what I've heard from my friends in New York so much, that we did everything that we could, but we want to be able to do more. Um, and so it's, you know, New York is starting to come to the other side. There's still a lot of sick people. Downstate is still very busy. Um, and my hope out of this is that we'll realize that these areas need some resources and need some extra um, extra funds, extra supplies, extra staff to be able to really care for these patients going forward. Mm-hmm. One thing I'm really learning is how well healthcare providers are connected with others across the country, um, you know, whether it's a, a family member, um, a friend, but you, many of you have trained together. You train together in one place and then you sort of disperse all over. And so you get all these different perspectives of how this pandemic is affecting different areas of the country. Um, that, do you keep up with a lot of, a lot of people that you know? And, and I think that's where I have a very unique sense is I did my training in Long Island at Stony Brook, which is also another, has been very, very busy and hit hard with COVID. I did my fellowship in Brooklyn and man, and I did my medical school in Manhattan, but I practiced in Montana for five years. So I have my friends and medical people from New York and the tri-state area. And then I have my old colleagues from Montana. And then those of us I trained with are in California and Idaho and Texas and Florida and all over the place. And so, but the, the collegiality that comes out of that and the connection that you have with people from around the world, around the United States, but, but really around the world, has been one of the best things I've seen come out of this is the real-time sharing of this works. Try this. Have you done this? As we were all learning, nobody was waiting to publish a paper. Nobody was waiting. Everybody was doing everything in real time. And that has been the most amazing part of this um, because we we do live in a technology age we have the ability to do this and I watched my 
my colleagues across the country start to step up as things were changing and saying, all right, we've got to get together. We've got to have webinars. We've got to have chat rooms. We've got to, we've got to be sharing everything that we know. And to be able to participate in worldwide webinars where people can tell us their different experiences, that part of this has made the interconnectedness of across the country from the people you know really, really worthwhile. Plus, I'm checking in with those people more now than I had before, and that's been great. You know, getting a text message from my co-chiefs that I may not have seen in 12 years, my chief resident when I was an intern, you know, checking in with people, making sure they're okay. Um, We forget about that in the day-to-day life to make sure because we just figure well, we'll we'll get around to it at some point. And this has taught us that we need to make more time for the people that were important. And we need to check in on the people that we remember from before just to make sure they're doing okay, too. So it sounds like you're finding some silver linings in these in the clouds. Any other silver linings that you're finding during this time? I I think one of the most amazing things that I've seen is not just my colleagues in medicine, but my my friends from childhood and high school, their parents, my old teachers who really have reached out to want to understand and want to figure out how they can support us, how they can help, what they can do. And if it's as simple as staying home, that's what they'll do. They just want to hear it. And they very often wanted to hear it from someone that they knew, you know, To a lot of people, us doctors are people that go in and out of hospitals and offices and aren't somebody that interacts with the general public. And to have the ability to just ask a doctor questions, um, and again, the reaching out part of it, that part of it has been pretty eye-opening for me. Um, And something, as I said, I will appreciate um, these connections. I'll tell you a cute story. Yesterday, I got two cards in the mail. Not from, and they were colored and drawn, but they were not from little kids. They were from my best friend's growing up's parents who probably borrowed the stuff they play with their grandkids with and drew me two cards with the doctor on the front and some little pigs wearing masks walking six feet apart, just thanking me for being a helper. Um, It's those kinds of things that just kind of make you smile and go, all right, I'm making a little bit of an impact on the world. That's all I can ask. Mm that is such a beautiful story and it makes me think of all of the the sidewalk chalk drawings I see in my neighborhood the blue ribbons on trees um you know local landmarks being lit up blue in support of healthcare workers you're feeling that yeah and I think you know when this started I said a lot of listen to the doctors we're just trying to help that really is all of us who went into medicine just want to help and We want to take care of our other humans. That's what we're here for. And so just listen to us. We're we're doing our best. We don't know it all yet. There's there's a lot of learning that's going on with this. And that is very hard. The uncertainty is hard. But we are really, we are here for you. We want to take care of you. Just, Just listen to us and let us. Any other messages or a message that you might have for our listeners as we continue to need to stay home, practice social distancing, and make other difficult sacrifices in order to beat this virus? I think to remember that it's okay to say that this is hard, 
that it's okay to say, I have had a hard day. I don't want to do this anymore. I think that when I go home and have to take another shower. I want to come the day that I don't take a shower every time I come home from the hospital. But I don't know that that will change. So I have to say to myself that this is hard and I don't like it and that's okay. And it's not a but anymore. It's an and. I don't like this and I'm still going to keep doing this. Okay. And and I've spent a lot of time starting to think about languages and, and to say, you know, we do this and it's okay to say I'm sad and I'm still going to keep staying home. That's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay for this to be hard. This is hard. Thank you so much for, for your time and all of the work you're doing for our patients during this time, Dr. Stevens. You're welcome. And thank you to our listeners. We have several more episodes dedicated to keeping you healthy, informed, and inspired during the COVID-19 pandemic. This includes an episode featuring insight from Dr. Manar Al-Shahuri, a critical care physician on the front lines of fighting COVID-19 here in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Look for COVID-19 on the front lines. Thank you and be well. You've been listening to Plug Into Health with Provea Health. To learn more and to submit ideas for future shows, please visit purveya.com slash podcast. And please remember, the information provided in this podcast does not constitute medical advice. It is not intended to replace interactions with your healthcare professional. And if you are concerned about your healthcare, you should consult with your healthcare professional. You can learn more about Purveya Health at purveya.com. Thank you for choosing to plug into health with Provea Health.